You're listening to the Harvest Christian Fellowship Weekend Message Podcast. To learn more about our community, like what we believe and how you can take a next step, visit us online at hcfcornwall.ca or join us for one of our services this weekend, Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 11 here at 847 York Street. Well, good morning. I am so glad that you're here with us this morning, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook or you're watching this sometime after as we put this up for On Demand. We just want to be a blessing and uh, come to you any way we possibly can. As we stand together as a church, Jesus said, I build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm so glad that this is temporary, what we're living in these days, but it's difficult. It's temporary, but it is difficult. We acknowledge that, and if you're having a tough time this week, we just pray that today during our worship time, there's another in the fire. I just pray that you sensed his Holy Spirit with you today, letting you know that Jesus is saying, as he always says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you, even until the end of the age. We're not at the end. Uh, we're, we're feels like we're at at the beginning. We're just getting started. And so we just pray today that you sense his presence so close to you today. 50 bucks. That was a great testimony. I always wondered where that 50 bucks went that I lost. I'll have to see Karen. No, I'm just kidding. What a great story of God just just through a coincidence showing a young a young girl at that time uh, how he can multiply finances. I just love the story from Turkey this morning and Alarazar and Atar are online, and uh, we just love that we can have a little peek into your world today, Alarazar and Atar. Uh, you're coming into our world very soon, and uh, we're just happy that you showed us a little glimpse into your world. What a beautiful city that you live in. This is Churches That Heal, part four. And this is called Processing Pain. So far, uh, we've looked at two growth areas. Uh, We've looked at connection. We need to be connected as human beings. uh, But we also need boundaries. And so our first sense of identity is that I am accepted and I am loved to have a, a healthy identity. And then I am not you and you are not me. Boundaries. Without proper growth in these two areas... We can just see that there are, uh, it's really the root system of so many uh, emotional issues. Without connection, so many people suffer from depression, despair, loneliness. Without proper boundaries, many people feel powerless, feel as if they don't have a life of their own. And how difficult is that? And how depressing would that be? And so, so many symptoms can come out of these two growth areas. And today we're going to look at the third growth area, and that is how to process our personal pain. Father, I just thank you today that there is another in the fire. His name is Jesus today. Closer than a brother, the Bible says. Jesus, you literally live inside us, and so you can't get closer than that. I pray, Lord, for those who found this week difficult, maybe even despairing of of, of just thinking about another week, uh, one more week in this time of lockdown, and the difficulty that no one knows about, no one could even relate to today, but you know. I just pray, Lord, today that already in this service and as we continue, that they would sense you lifting them up. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I want you to think about Adam and Eve in the garden for a minute as we consider this idea of processing pain, a really important part, very important growth area. And before the fall, before Adam and Eve went their own direction in the garden, they had never dealt with death before. 
Didn't have to teach their kids about the, the goldfish floating on the top of the bowl. Uh, nothing in the garden had ever died. Don't you wish you had a garden like that? Um, I heard uh, during the uh, beginning part of our service in our Dream Team Zoom, uh, Mia was vibrating, talking about gardening. She just loves to garden. Imagine having a garden where nothing died. That was the case in the Garden of Eden. They had never experienced loss. They had never experienced pain. They'd never experienced failure. Uh, Adam and Eve didn't fight. (laughs) They were two perfect people. Uh, in a perfect world. They had a perfect other in their life. And and God said, listen, I want you to go out there in the garden, and there's nothing holding you back. You go for it. And he showed them all the trees that they could eat of in the garden. But he said, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we've spent some time in the past on this, so I won't, I won't kind of uh, magnify this point this morning. But just to catch you up in the story, and of course you know that they believed the lure of the evil one who said there's another way to God. There's another way to be just like God, and that is knowing the good, knowing the bad, and being able to, listen now, judge between good and bad. And so Adam and Eve decided, we're going to be the judge. God isn't going to judge anymore or judge for us. Uh, We're going to judge. I'll be the judge of that, was their declaration. And, of course, that was their walk away from God, turning their back on God. There isn't another way to God, uh, knowing the difference between good and evil, and that led to death. Um, And so we see that uh, uh, everything fell apart at that moment. They lost their connection with God. They lost their connection with each other. And God, in an act of love, actually removes them from the garden because there was the tree of life, the tree of eternal life that was in the garden. Had they, in their fallen state, eaten of that tree, they would have been eternally separated from God. And so God in his love said, no, I don't want mankind, I don't want Adam and Eve eternally separated. And so he placed them outside of the garden, outside of the sphere where that eternality was. And he put them into the process of time where you and I find ourselves in the process of time, in a world that has been subject to sin, a world that doesn't work the way it should. Uh, The world isn't as it was designed. You and I are not as we were designed. We were designed for a perfect world. We were designed for perfect others. We were designed to live in perfection. Romans 8 tells us that all creation, including us, Including, there's a kind of this residue cry in our spirit that says that we are longing for it to go back the way it was before the fall, which of course is God's promise that one day that uh, there will be heaven on earth, the kingdom of God. Uh, the, the scriptures teach us that we will uh, reign and live and rule with Christ here on the earth, and it will be back the way it was supposed to be. But until then, we live as creatures that were created for perfection, and we have an expectation and a cry in our hearts and spirits for things to work the way they should. So this high expectation of perfection, and yet we live in the reality of everyday life. And in that gap, in that huge gap, is where you and I experience pain, the pain of this world, the pain of things not working the way they should, the pain of death, the pain of loss, the, 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 the pain of failure and grief. If you're married, 
you've experienced pain from your own spouse. And if you say you haven't, once in a while I'll bump into a couple and they'll say, oh, yeah, no, we've got a great marriage. Nothing ever happens. We never cause each other pain. I go, well, you guys are dead. <laughs> You're not actually alive. Or one of you is so afraid of the other one that you, you, don't, you, you, don't, have, you don't have boundaries. <laughs> so if we're connected and even if we understand boundaries, this is an area, even in our marriages, where you know, we don't intend to hurt our spouse. But because life doesn't work the way it should, because I'm a human being living in the gap, I'm not, I'm not, and nor will I ever be at perfection until the life after this one. And yet, as we are, as we're growing, and we can do better, and we're learning how to be, uh, to live, you know, to be a church that heals, and in our own life to grow in these areas, we can do a lot better. And one of the areas today is we're learning to live in the gap, which causes us pain. So we all live with good and we live with bad. There is good and there is bad, obviously. But most of us don't know how to process the bad when it happens in our life. The stuff that is painful, events or relationships that bring pain uh, into our lives. And, And many of us get super stuck in the pain or in the badness that we don't know how to move forward. But we try. (laughs) We try. And here are some ways that we try. I've tried all of these, and I think you've probably tried all of them, and I want to identify them today so we can kind of point at them and say, no, that doesn't work. And the first way we try is we deny the bad. We, dr- we deny it. Christine and I have five boys and six grandchildren. We're just so blessed. Uh, and just to be in a family that continues to multiply and grow, and it's amazing. With, um, with, our, uh, five, uh, with our five boys, um, when they were little, and we had a uh, we had this large driveway that they would that they would ride their bikes on, and uh, and and so it was kind of off the sidewalk and away from cars. It was safe, nice large driveway, and man, they would just rip and tear with their bikes and their. Uh, they had a big wheel and they had all different toys that they would play with out on our pavement. Well, once in a while, of course, they would wipe out. And um, they, they'd have road rash. Uh, there would be, you know, a wound. Uh, there would be blood. And, uh, and my response to that as a dad, my triage would go something like this. I would walk up and I would say to them, does it hurt? <laughs> and so the answer is clearly, yes, it hurts. Flesh has been ripped from their body. They have road rash. Um, they're holding, you know, the area of pain. They're grimacing. Uh, and, uh, but when I asked the question, does it hurt? <laughs> At that moment, they had a decision to make. Does it hurt enough to give voice to the pain to dad? Will it really matter if we give voice to this pain to dad? So why bother giving voice to it at all? And they would grimace and hold the wound and go, no, I'm okay. <laughs> and, uh, th- and I would say, okay, Christina, he said it doesn't hurt. He's good. Okay, everybody go back. Go. Life is normal now. Of course, colossal, colossal dad fail. Colossal dad fail. Much different if Christina was triaging uh, one of those wounds because she would triage it this way. She would run up to the boys and she would say, that looks like it hurts. I bet that really hurts. 
And of course, at that moment, giving very safe place to give voice to uh, the pain, to give voice to what hurts. And they would open up and, and often maybe even express it with tears. There's fear in it as a, a little boy looks at that wound. Um, and, and, you know, that's kind of scary. And they give voice and expression to their pain. Remember the babies in the orphanage I told you about as we started this series? And that as babies are bonding, they cry because they're asking. And as moms, you know, you're happy to feed that baby, change that baby. You're bonding with that baby. And the baby is internalizing that when I ask, that love and acceptance comes in return. And there's an internalization of that. But the babies in the orphanage, though they were fed and taken care of in the sense of their, their, their physical needs, there was no emotional needs being met. The voice of asking wasn't, wasn't being listened to. There was no way to express or give voice to their pain. And so because of that, the studies show that the babies in the orphanages stop crying. They stop asking. They stop giving voice to their pain. So many of us deny the pain that's in us in life for whatever reason. And there could be a lot of reasons we do that. And really today is beyond the scope. To go into all of those reasons would be beyond the scope of what we're trying to do. I'm just trying to kind of pinpoint this is one of the ways many of us, we deny the bad, we deny the pain, we say it, it didn't hurt, and we just go on with life as usual, denying that it's, that it's bothering us. And, and like those babies, we don't give voice to our pain. Well, denying the bad doesn't deal with it. I want you to think about your own physical body for a moment. Because every day you eat food, and in the food is good and bad. There's good and bad in your food. And so as you uh, eat good and you eat bad, it goes in, your body processes that, and your body gets rid of the bad behind you, by the way. <laughs> think, of the, think of the design of the human body. It, 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 you, you rid the, what is bad behind you so you're able to move forward. So many people live, if I could say it this way, in constipated pain because they're putting the good and the bad of life is going in, but denying the pain doesn't, doesn't deal with it. I can most relate to this uh, dealing with pain, the gap of our lives, this expectation of it should be better than it is, and it isn't, and so I'm just going to deny it and pretend that this isn't going on. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. (laughs) It doesn't hurt. And my family of origin kind of just was set up that way. There just wasn't room or a place for expression of this hurts. Um, and, and, uh, and, and I've, my spiritual training to be, uh, as I was a young leader, even in ministry, there was this kind of this unwritten kind of idea that leaders, leaders, you, you kind of, you're supposed to grow beyond pain. You know, maturity is it shouldn't bother you. You know, if somebody hurts you, you're not going to get offended because I'm a leader after all. And, or as a leader, I set the expectation of life for myself so high, I shouldn't be offended. I shouldn't be hurt. Uh, I should get a lot done. Uh, and so, so there's this perfectionism. And think about it. People say, yeah, I'm a perfectionist. That's the definition of being crazy. <laughs> because 
reality is, we've already said, you can never be perfect. And the world will never be perfect. And so trying to get to a level of perfection is to be perfect is an exercise in futility. And so not only would I deny my own personal pain, I set these very high expectations for myself. And so when I would fail, yeah, it would be colossal. Impossible standards to live up to and not being able to process pain. Well, what happens is that'll, uh, your pain will process you. And uh, maybe I'll share that story another time, but just a time in my own life where I just ground to a halt and became so stuck because my life was filled with unprocessed pain and, and many, many shapes and forms. Uh, number two, we deny the good. Now, this is another kind of coping mechanism that we use. We deny the good. How you doing out there? I used to be able to say that with a room full of people, and they would go, yeah, I can feel it getting quiet in here. There's only six of us. <laughs> but uh, I know that, that we're processing this information together. We deny the good. Have you ever had a great day? I mean, just a great day. And then something happens to kind of uh, uh, undo your great day. And you've made this statement, and I've made this statement, and we say something like this, oh, man, I was having a great day until. I had a great day, and that wrecked my day. (laughs) Well, a lot of people live that way every day because what they're doing is the bad stuff that happens in their life. Remember, we're living in the gap that has good and bad and being able to become mature and grow in this area is being able to accept the good and process the bad and leave it behind us. But you've got to process it. You can't deny it. And the other thing that people do is split it. And so there's, it's all bad. It's always bad. It's forever going to be bad. Let me, let me show you how this works. <laughs> I've had people that I've met that have come and first time at Harvest, and, and uh, in this case would be that they've come from another church, another church experience. And they'll come in, they'll come down, you know, down to the front to greet me after the service. Pastor, this is the most amazing church I've ever been in in my entire life. That worship was crazy awesome. I have never experienced worship that good before in my life. I was greeted. I was, I felt like a son. This, we're making this our home church, Pastor. I just want you to know, this is an amazing church. (laughs) Until it isn't. (laughs) And somebody forgot their name. Or something happened that they got bumped along in the journey. And the next thing you know, they are very angry. They are very hurt. Anger is coming out of pain. This is a hypocritical church, Pastor. This is a place full of hypocrites. And they get online and they start blogging. And I can't believe that church. You can And now all of a sudden it's all bad. It was all good, but now it's all bad. This is uh, kind of really a, um, a lower maturity way of dealing with the bad, and the good. But if you relate with it today, coming honest with it and realizing, oh my goodness, I'm an all good, all bad. Everything is bad. The little bit of bad, that tiny bit of bad can disqualify all the good. TripAdvisor. I love looking at TripAdvisor. Christine and I have had uh, the privilege to go on a couple of um, trips either to the Caribbean, uh, whether it be Mexico or to Cuba, and you uh, read 
people's reviews of the resorts. And I've, I've been to some resorts, and hey, they're, especially in Cuba, uh, it can be, it's, it's not five-star, you know, like, um, like North America, five-star. And so you kind of know that as you go a couple times. But I've seen people just yelling and screaming, either blogging on TripAdvisor or at the front desk because the toilet paper roll just wasn't filled or there wasn't soap where it should have been or some small little, and I'm like, dude, it's 30 degrees. The ocean is turquoise colored. The, the, it, the, I mean, this is paradise. And you're worried about which way they rolled your toilet paper? All good, all bad. Maybe you've been in a series of relationships. Oh, you can't believe it. I met him. I met Mr. Right. Oh, he's perfect. (laughs) Until he's not. Until he's a human being. And then he's the worst person on planet. I've never met a man so selfish. I've never met a man that's so focused on himself. I've never met such an abusive man. I've never met. I've never, 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 never. I've never. All good or all bad. Push repeat. Do it again. My prayer for you today is if you can relate to that, that, that this will mean something to you today and begin allowing the Holy Spirit to look. Remember, dig around the root system. It could be that you are not processing your pain, but instead splitting good and bad without a capacity to receive the good and process the bad. Another one is to attack the bad and judge it. Attack the bad and judge it. Sometimes we get stuck in our marriage relationships. And um, remember the gap? <laughs> and we have an expectation that our, our spouse is perfect. We expect them to be perfect toward us, like Adam and Eve. We want perfection. We don't want them to make mistakes because when they make mistakes, um, intentionally or, or non-intentionally, it hurts. It brings pain into our life. And something happens and we forget that they were human. And when we forget that and we're living in that pain, we can get stuck in the marriage. I want you to think about this scenario for a minute. Let's say that you're a wife and you have planned a, a girl's getaway, uh, a girl's getaway over a weekend, and uh, with all your BFFs, and uh, you've talked about it, you've planned it, you've gone to your husband and you've said, look, would it be possible for you to watch the kids? It's like two months away, and uh, would you be able to check at work and be able to take it? And your husband says, yeah, no problem at all. I'll take care of that. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do everything that needs to be done. And, uh, and he says, he gives you his word and says, yes, you can go away. That would be amazing. That'll be so much fun. Well, as the weeks approach, you and the BFs are, you know, emoji, the emojis are going out and the plans are being made. And, and uh, this is, of course, my story is during non-lockdown times. And you're going to be able to travel and do some shops and go to restaurants. And it is going to be, um, you, it's amazing. You are, you are so excited. The Friday morning of the weekend that you're about to go, you decide to check in with your husband and make sure that everything is good and it's the kind of the last thing. You're so excited. And uh, he texts you back. He goes, oh, honey, I just found out this morning. I am so sorry. But my boss has called me in for an extra shift and I'm not going to be able to watch the kids. I've got to do this. I don't have a choice. And you looking at your clock and you realize, There are no options now. It's too late to get them to your mom's house. No one can watch the kids. You're not going. You are not going on the ladies' weekend. I mean, think about the disappointment. 
Think about how crushed you are. Think about how painful it is, that disappointment, the loss of a weekend. You are experiencing that moment even before it's happening, the, the loss of all the fun, the loss of the joy, the loss of everything that you anticipated. It's like a death. Something has died. The weekend died to you, and you're experiencing the loss of that. We're talking this third area that what we tend to do is we attack and judge the bad. And so now the internal dialogue. Now listen, you don't attack the situation. The pain is real. I'll validate that. If you've ever experienced it, that pain is real. But what we tend to do now is go into a judgment cycle, and we attack the one who we think is responsible for that. And so in this case, the husband, or maybe the husband's boss, maybe both. But in this case, the husband, and your internal dialogue begins to go something like this. He never wanted me to go on that weekend. He never lets me have me time. Oh, sure. I'll bet you're stomping through the house. Man, your footsteps are loud, and you're, you're feeling it. And you're like, man, alive. If this was his weekend, if the boys were going hunting, or the boys were going down on their motorcycle trip, or the boys whatever, I'll tell you what. He would have stood up to that boss, and he would have said, no, I can't work. Boss, I put my notice in two and a half weeks ago. Oh, no, this is just because it's me. He doesn't care about me. See, now you've crossed into the line of how do you know what's going? He's at work. You don't even know fully what's taking place except that you've read a text that's telling you you're not going and you're experiencing pain. We attack and judge. And so now the pain gets louder more and more real. You get fixated on it. You're ready to kill your husband. He comes home. Again, you don't know any of the context. He comes home, but you're in judgment mode because you're ready to kill him. Now, remember, when we judge, we sentence. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't. He would have stood up. He should have stood up. That Bam, goes the gavel. And then there's a sentencing, and there's punishment. Whenever we judge, the gavel goes down, and there's a sentencing. We mete out a punishment for the crime. So you're quiet. Or however you process pain when you're judging and attacking. Your husband comes home, and uh, he's about to try to explain, don't you give me any explanations. You knew how important this was for me. And at that moment, let me show you what happens. Matthew 7, 1 through 2, we're talking about processing pain. Judge not that you be not judged, for with what judgment you judge, it'll be, uh, you will be judged. And what measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And, and in some versions, it says even more. And I've heard this go, oh, you shouldn't judge because if you do, God will judge you. He'll get you. He'll get you good. He'll give you more judgment than you give out. Well, come on. We know at Harvest, because we're church, we understand churches that heal, that Jesus is our advocate. And Jesus took judgment on the cross. And so there is no judgment for sin as we live under grace. So if God isn't judging us, what's this boomerang effect that we're reading about? It's the judgment cycle. Now watch this. Judge it and be not judged. It's easier written and read than it is to live out. But it is part of learning how to process pain by choosing not to deny, choosing not to split, choosing not to judge and attack. Because that doesn't process pain. So that husband now comes under the judgment of the wife, and he feels it. What is he going to do? He's going to respond now in his pain, because it hurts to get punished with judgment. And now he's going to project judgment right back 
and you and your husband are in an all-out altercation, however that looks for you, but I can guarantee every one of you have a step-by-step judgment cycle that produced the escalation of that argument. Judging the pain is not the solution. So I'm not talking about, you know, did that, missing the weekend, is that horrible? Yes. Is it painful? Yes. Uh, Would you have chosen that? No. Is that the gap we live in in this unperfect world? Yes. How do we process pain? What is it we're to do? John 16, says, I've told you that, uh, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Sign me up. I want peace in Jesus. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows due to pain, living in the gap. But take heart. There's hope in this. See, as a Christ follower, he's going to give us the tools to know how to grow in this area. Take heart because I have overcome the world. I've overcome the gap. I'm going to show you a way to live in this gap. You were designed to live in a perfect world, but now you're living in an imperfect world. But Jesus can give us the tools and show us how to grow and learn to process the good and the bad in our life. Did Jesus look down from heaven and say, Okay, try harder. Come on up here to heaven. you got to work hard. Someday you'll be heavenly. Someday you'll get here. I hope you get here. Otherwise, you're going to burn in hell. So try hard. No, Jesus isn't the voice in the well from our other week. Jesus comes into our well with us. The Bible says that though he was God, he gave up the divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave. He was born a human being. Jesus was born and came, was born in a manger and grew. He was a human being. He himself experienced the gap, though he was perfect, lived in an imperfect world to show us how. Though he was God, he became a human being. He was despised and rejected by men. He knew the pain of rejection. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Grief talks about loss. Grief talks about uh, things that have, have gone wrong in our lives. Jesus himself lived in this broken, fallen world, but he demonstrated and show us, showed us how to do it. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. We ourselves, the Bible says, we, even in this beautiful relationship we have with Jesus, we hurt him. We did not esteem him. Well, I love this verse from Hebrews 4.15. We don't have a priest, the one who's our advocate. Remember the one who said, stop the judgment. Let's begin the process. And so as our advocate, as our priest, who is, he's not out of touch with our reality. Isn't that good news this morning? He is not out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing. He's experienced all all but the sin. He wasn't fallen. And as a human, though, in the power that God gave him, not the power of being God on this earth, he was a a man filled with God in that sense. He demonstrated what it was to walk in this painful world by accessing the resources of heaven, the same as you and I do. Jesus, the one, as that priest who said, that looks like it hurts. I bet that hurts. And he opens up space, a safe space for us to begin unloading that on him. But the, the, the gospel's incarnational. It's not just me and Jesus. 
Remember, we need connection and boundaries. And so a lot of this is lived out in community. A lot of this is lived out as we are with other people that are safe, other people that understand this whole concept of being able to process pain together. Ecclesiastes 7, 2-4 says, It is better to go to the house of mourning than a house of feasting. Really? I'd rather go feast than mourn. The house of mourning is for funerals and loss and grieving. That's, I don't want to go to the house of mourning. What are you talking about, Solomon? The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Choosing not to medicate the pain. People today are addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, addicted to being a workaholic because they set the standards so high, and I'm going to work myself out of failure. I'm going to work myself out of, I'll never be a failure. Maybe someone pronounced so painfully over your life, you're a failure. You never amount to anything. There was some pressure to perform, and now the judge in your head is telling you you've got to perform so high, and you're a workaholic. Maybe the pain is so intense that the only way you know how to deal with it is to medicate that pain, and and so you become an alcoholic or whatever the case may be. And the Bible says it's actually better to process that pain, to give a voice to that pain, to go to the house where it's safe to do this and to have a voice that you can give voice to the pain. And actually, it becomes wisdom. And as you process pain in your life with another human being, and you give voice to it, to someone who loves and accepts and understands, isn't trying to fix it, isn't trying to tell you what the solution to your pain is, it has nothing to do with that. Remember the well story? Somebody that's just listening with their arm around you saying, I'm a human being too. I know what it feels like. And in the context of that, Jesus said, where two are agreed together, I'm there in the midst doing the miracle of processing and healing pain. Foolish to medicate it. Foolish to deny it. Foolish to split it. But to give it a voice. James 5.16, as we get ready to finish this segment today. I'm so looking forward to the work that you'll do this week in group. And I just encourage you, jump into group this week and really talk about these things and, and, and maybe even be brave enough to give voice to give voice. Confess your trespasses one to another. Remember that word from boundaries that we cross over? I cross into other people and other people cross into mine. And so there's pain in that. That's what, that's the source of pain relationally. But there's also the source of pain of failure. Uh, I've lost a job or the project didn't go the way it should have. And what happens is we live life constipated, full of all of the pain of living in the gap. But the Bible says here that if we confess that to one another and pray for one another, you would be healed. You would be healed. This is amazing. The word confess here is not a legal term. This is not confess the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. Okay, my name is Roy. I've done some bad things. Here I go. I confess. As if that's somehow conditional upon your forgiveness. No, God alone forgives sin. God alone forgives sin. This doesn't say, and the scripture, just the verse just before that says, confess your sin to God, you will be forgiven. So when we live as Christ followers, when we live under the forgiveness, judgment is gone. Remember? Stop the judgment. I became a Christ follower. Stop the judgment. I got to get rid of the own judgment out of my own head, but God himself, I'm living in grace. I'm getting ready to grow. How do I grow in this area? 
Confess is not a legal term. It means to come into agreement. It means to sit with people in a safe environment that's safe for you, in real, authentic conversation that you can talk about your own imperfections. You can talk about uh, your, your, your own failures, your own losses, without defense, without excuse, without somebody jumping on you, without somebody trying to fix it for you. But real, authentic conversation that simply acknowledges, hey, my name is Roy, and some bad stuff has happened to me. And over the years, as I've seen this unfold at Harvest, Time and time again, somebody has said to me, as they've given voice to the pain, they said, I've never told anybody what I just told you before. And I'll begin to cry, one, for the privilege of hearing it, and I'll say, thank you so much for trusting me with your story. But then the, the, the thought of, why have you been carrying this pain around for so long? And a miracle takes place because when two shall agree and be able to understand, yeah, I'm a human being. I live in the gap. Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to seek and save the lost. The word lost there doesn't mean that God can't find you. <laughs> Where did I put Roy? It's like the keys. It's like my glasses. I need glasses for distance. So if I'm working close up, I just ha- I take them off all the time. I gotta find some kind of a device that tells me where they are. I spend most of my life looking for my glasses. My, I'm seeking my glasses. They're lost. No, you're not lost to God. That word lost there means broken beyond repair. And today you might feel like you're broken beyond repair. You've lived in so much pain. I want you to know that first Jesus comes. He wants to touch your life. The Bible says he, can, he, he, he seeks you today, not because you're lost, but because you're broken, and he wants to make you whole. And then as we learn to live an authentic connection with good boundaries, we can find voice to our pain, and we can begin to just sometimes just simply getting it out in that safe, loving environment processes it, what happens neurologically in in the psychology of it is you give your pain a story. You give your pain a narrative that normalizes it in this life. And then you can go, okay. And just giving voice to it often processes and metabolizes it that you can leave it behind. It gives it the possibility relationally for forgiveness to come. If you don't process relational pain, you can't offer forgiveness. Some of you are stuck thinking, I have forgiven, but you've never processed the pain. So what debt are you forgiving if you don't understand? There's so much to this, and I wish I could go on this morning, but I just want to kind of, here are the ideas of learning to live in community, and according to this model that James gives us, to give voice to our pain, and to have Jesus in the midst, and having someone, another human, put their arms around you and say, I know what that's like. Jesus saying, I know what that's like. And together, processing pain and living it behind us. I just want, before we go on this morning, I want to uh, just close this service. I'm just putting an image on the screen. You're going to see it. This is a great book. I just want to um, recommend it to you this morning. Dr. Jim Richards uh, called How to Stop the Pain. This is specifically in the area of judgment, the area of judgment. If that one rang to you that you kind of attack, maybe you've even judged God. 
I, I've talked to people who haven't understood. They see God as the source of bad stuff in the world. Maybe you lost a, a, a loved one to cancer. I've talked to people, how could a loving God, how could he do that? You've literally judged God's actions not knowing the rest of the story. This is a great book to learn uh, how to not, the cycle of judgment and the cycle of uh, the pain that judgment just keeps getting increases and increases and increases. I would recommend this book. All right. We covered a lot this morning. Thank you for your patience. Uh, and if you have to come back to this, feel free to do that and uh, play it again this week. But we're going to end our service today. God bless you. Thank you so much for being a part of uh, our service today. And um, I get to close this uh, by myself today. Uh, my, my dear wife had a difficult week this week. And she said to me, can I have some space today? Uh, greet the church for me, but I really just need to get some rest. Isn't that great that we can do that? And, uh, and honey, I just I love that you can get some rest today and get strong today uh, for all of the tasks that are ahead of you. So I'm going to close our service today. Just before I do, I want to ask the question as we do every week. If you were watching today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to know he's been looking for you your whole life, not because you're lost, but the Bible says when we turn and go our own way, we go, we're not aware that he loves us, but when we hear that God loves us and accepts us, the Bible uses the word, it says repent. That, that, that word has been so misused in our, in our society by religious people, and I, it's so awful the way they've used it. Repent, whatever that conjures up in your mind, it simply means this to change your mind about God, to change your mind about God. It's a day that God sent Jesus to die on the cross for you so that your, your sins would be forgiven, but you have to accept it today. How do I accept it? Simply by turning, changing your mind about God and going, God, I receive who and what you are in my life today. You are my Lord and my Savior, if that's you today. I invite you to pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I love you today because you love me. Come into my life. Make me whole. I've heard today that you can put me back together. I want to be put back together. I receive it now. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we believe you are born again. And Jesus is in your life right now. I'd like you to just put in the comment section, I've made a decision. We'd like to send you a Bible and just get in touch with you and celebrate with you this great decision you've made today. I want to close our service today by praying for a number of things that are happening uh, in people's lives. Uh, and um, let's just, I would just invite you, wherever you are right now, just close your eyes as I pray for a need that you might have or as we pray for uh, our neighbor's need, those we're in community with this week. Let's pray and agree together. Lord, I just pray right now for peace to rule and to reign during the rest of this lockdown. I come against fear in the name of Jesus. Lord, as the media has tried to produce it, either intentionally or unintentionally, but so many of us are living in fear. Lord, those that are listening to religious ideas of the end of the age, and, and God is coming to get you, and God's coming to destroy the world. I come against these crazy man-made ideas. You are the God who is with us. You are the God who is for us. Jesus, you said you would never leave us. You would never forsake us, even to the end of the age. And it's not the end, because I'm still breathing air. And so, Lord, I thank you that you're the God who brings peace. 
Lord, thank you so much for that today. Lord, those that are in pain today and are in the throes of an addiction, are in the claws of an addiction today, I pray, oh God, that you would break those addictions. I know you can do it, Lord. We've seen you step into a person's life and break the power of addiction. I come against anxiety and depression today. Lord, that person who wrote in and said, I'm having uh, headaches and migraine headaches. Lord, we thank you for healing that would come today. Lord, we thank you today that you're the God that heals every area of our body, our minds, our souls, and we receive all that you have for us today. In Jesus' name. Say it with me together. Amen. So be it, Lord. Praise report today for Charles, who's been asking for prayer for work, and he's got employment today. So we just uh, rejoice with you, Charles, with that answer to prayer. If you have an answer to prayer, why not share it with us so that we can share uh, with everyone else uh, those praise reports. Harvest, I love you so much. I wish I could put my arms around each and every one of you right now. I wish I could tell you right now it's going to be okay. You're going to make it. I mean, physically, I'm telling you this way, and I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would just in a special way assure you today we're going to make it. We'll be here in the room together. We'll continue all that God has set out. And you know what? We're not on pause right now. We're going to hear the stories in the days to come, all that God did during those weeks of the pandemic. God bless you. I love you so much. Christina sends her love. See you next week.